Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim podcast episode 38. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. This This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, October 10th and will be released on Thursday, October 11th, 2018. As always, visit Pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links there. And if you want to follow along or all of the links should be, they should be in your podcast app too. So if you swipe over, swipe up or whatever you got to do, <laughs> wherever they store the show notes or the, yeah, the show notes section in your podcast app, just check them out there. Just check out all the links and everything there. So if you want to follow along with the stuff that is on the World Wide Web that we talk about. So uh, let's get started with my weekly notes, feedback, and links like I usually do. Uh, I just wanted to say it's crazy. Uh, last time I went over an hour. I babbled for over an hour. <laughs> uh, it was the first time that I went over. I think Kyle Helms pointed it out. I just, I didn't. I kind of knew, but I didn't, I mean, I knew, but I didn't think much of it when I, when I had posted this episode that it was over an hour. Um, I don't think that that's going to be a normal thing. (laughs) Um, I don't know about today. I don't know. You know, it's just, I I haven't really stayed too close to a time limit on here. I'm not sure if that annoys people or (laughs) I know that most podcasts try and stick to an hour or a half hour or something like that. I feel like I've been all over the place. If that annoys you, please let me know. I will do my best to keep it within a time limit if people really are (laughs) upset about that. But I usually just go on for, you know, until I'm all I've talked about all my topics. So I think that's just kind (laughs) of that's kind of how it works for me right now. Um, I wanted to thank Frank Neathart for reaching out. Uh, via email, uh, we went back and forth quite a quite a bit via email about the last episode, and he just broke down a few things, a few thoughts that he had on that. And I, uh, based off of what he sent me, I just wanted to clarify everything I was talking about the, my LG G6 last episode about repairing it. I just wanted to clarify that I was not looking to necessarily repair my LG G6 right away. I don't think I made that <laughs> clear on the the last episode. So I, I kind of just got all the parts in because I knew down the line it would be difficult to find all of the parts for the G6 at a decent price. So it was just kind of a decision that I had made to purchase all those parts so I could get them at a decent price now while they're widely available. So yeah, I, like I said, I don't think I made that clear last time on the show. I just kind of was talking about repairing it and getting the parts in like I was going to do it right away. Uh, But uh, yeah, I'm actually not going to. So Uh, but yeah, thanks to Frank for reaching out on all all of that uh, via email. Always appreciated. So he's been following the show for a while. So that's appreciated, too. I also wanted to thank Kyle Helms for reaching out uh, via Twitter. And again, another thing that I think I wasn't clear in the last episode about it, about this, uh, is he was talking about how Google's decision to automatically start signing people into Chrome was a business decision. And uh, Kyle thought that I was saying it was a design decision, which makes sense that you would think that he would think that or that anybody would think that because I was talking about that design article about the the Chrome Omnibox. And I think the the reason I was trying to compare this sign-in thing to that is because Google was kind of making this whole sign-in debacle, debacle uh, about uh, they made it seem like it wasn't a huge deal, like it was solving a problem, you know, so and it was a simple solution to a, pro- a previously had problem. And so I... I don't think it's as simple as that. And I brought up that design article because I thought that it kind of outlined how meticulous Google actually is with their decision making. If they're going to if they go that in depth into the design of the the Omnibox and Chrome on Android, that very specific situation, then, you know, for sure that they are extra meticulous about the fact that they started just signing people and decided to start signing people in automatically. Uh, the way that they did. 
So I just wanted to clarify that in case I wasn't coming across across uh, that way in the last episode. So a lot of clarifications. <laughs> um, I do my best to try and get my thoughts out. Sometimes I get jumbled up and things don't always come out how I think that they come out. And sometimes I go off on tangents and never come back to where I was. <laughs> and I, I know that. So I uh, just wanted to clarify those things. Thanks to Frank again to Frank and Kyle for reaching out and, and providing that feedback. Okay, so moving on, I just wanted to talk a little bit about it's called a phone that I'm potentially looking at for my wife. Uh, we actually kind of looked at it yesterday a little bit, and it's called the Unihertz Atom, <laughs> and it is the smallest rugged smartphone. So it's a tiny little Android device, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. It's very small. The uh, The screen is 2.45 inches, <laughs> so it is tiny. But the rest of it is actually surprisingly pretty well specced. And I'll go over that in a second. But my wife, she, you know, she likes a small phone or she kind of misses having a small phone. And so I was like, I, you know, I had seen on Jerry Rig everything. He had pulled this phone apart. He, he actually reviewed this device as far as durability and stuff on there. That's kind of how I found it. And then I think it, they also this company also did like the Jelly Phone, I think it was called, which is another tiny Android phone. This version of it, the Atom, is like a rugged version of that Jelly Phone. So and it's it's actually decently specced. Like I was saying, we you know, we were talking about whether the potential of of her actually using this phone, you know, and is there going to be going to be frustrations that come along with it as far as typing, mostly typing, because <laughs> shockingly enough, it actually runs Android 8.1 Oreo. So here's some of the specs on this thing. And this thing is a tiny little device, and it looks like just a rugged little, rugged little phone, but it's got a lot of the modern smartphone features. So it comes in at 108, 108 grams, 108 grams. Uh, it's got an octa-core 2 gigahertz CPU. It has Corning Gorilla Glass. Like I said, the display is 2.45 inches, which is it comes in at 240 by 432 pixels for the resolution. It has dual nano SIM cards. It has an 8 megapixel, 8 megapixel front camera and a 16 megapixel rear camera. It has four gigabytes of RAM and 64 gigabytes of onboard storage. And it comes with the the spectrum of of supported bands for LTE and and GSM and all that. It has a 2000 milliamp hour battery. It has a fingerprint sensor on the front of it. And it's got a bunch of the other sensors on there, too. It's got the gyroscope, proximity, ambient light, a compass. It's got USB type C. And like I was saying, it was it's on Android 8.1. And oh, it has a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and it's IP68 waterproof. So this and this is all in a tiny little device that uh, you can easily fit in your hand. And so as far as, you know, potentially getting a tiny phone for someone, this is this has to be the the best spec one that you can get. I haven't seen anything this small with the, with this amount of specs packed into it. Usually when they I, when I've seen those kind of gimmicky Android phones that were that are really tiny, usually it's like you know, nothing. There's like half, you know, half a gig of RAM and, and like eight gigabytes of storage and there's nothing. But this one is specced very similarly to a regular sized Android phone. So you can actually buy one of these right now. And we were looking at it because we we're like, is this would this possibly work <laughs> for my wife, uh, you know, to for her to carry around so you can get one, just the device for two hundred forty nine dollars. Here in the U.S., these are estimated. This is on Indiegogo. It's another one of those backed projects, but they've met their their fundraising goal by uh, 2,582% on July 10th, 2018. So this phone is being made and it's just tiny. I mean, if you watch any of the videos of it, it is very, very small. And that was the one th the just the one thing that I was concerned about for my wife was the the typing because uh, she uses text messaging uh, often and it, you know typing on it isn't exactly the easiest thing so you know we talked about like using voice typing and potentially getting a, a more fine point kind of stylus to kind of hang on the phone you know just to 
to maybe make tapping a little bit easier. But yeah, check it. Check out the the device uh, link in the show notes because it's just a tiny little rugged phone. And honestly, it's it's kind of tempting to <laughs> to not want to try this. Uh, for her, it would be the size would be great. And I just it just overall, like I said, for the specs that, that come on this thing, it's actually it would be if you're going to go this tiny and kind of I don't want to say gimmicky on a on an Android phone. It's probably the best one that you can kind of purchase now, you know, a legitimate Android phone just shrunk, <laughs> shrunk down. You know, it's not the thinnest device in the world, obviously, but. Uh, I think it, it, it has its uh, its purpose, you know, and then they kind of market it as an outdoor uh, device, you know, for taking hiking and, and camping and all that stuff, because it is very, very rugged. So and you clearly I don't think would need a case for this uh, because it's there's a lot of thick rubber around the edges of it and in the corners and stuff like that. But yeah, the Atom by Unihertz is it's on my radar for my wife, you know, just because. Uh, she's looking to simplify, you know, and just kind of get back to a small device that she doesn't have to use a ton, you know, or that she, uh, but that, but that she can also still use all of her Android apps on, you know, and, and like Spotify and, and stuff like that, which is, it's just a weird idea to see everything shrunk down like this, but it's, you know, there's potential there that it could work, you know, but yeah, this is by far the best option that I've seen in a tiny, tiny device. So yeah, check that out in the show notes. It should be kind of interesting to see if we go down this route. And let me know if you've ever had hands on with this. Uh, not this one, but any tiny one of those tiny phones. Uh, but yeah, very impressed with the specs on it. That's <laughs> I just I remember uh, yesterday I was pulling up all the specs and reading through and like, wow, wow, really? really? <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, just it, you know, four gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of storage, NFC, fingerprint reader, just, it, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, as far as it's just, yeah, they they did it right. I, I imagine uh, I, I, I would have to have actual hands on to say if they, you know, it's a good phone or not. But all the specs are there of uh, that point in that direction. But anyway, check that out in the show notes. I also wanted to report back this week that I haven't gotten anywhere yet with Git. Uh, I had talked about uh, learning that. I think Ian Barton had pointed out that uh, he was surprised I wasn't using Git for versioning on uh, my web server. And yeah, I, I looked. In, I've been looking into it. I just haven't gotten that set up. But I just wanted to report back on that because I don't want to forget about it. But uh, yeah, so another big thing this week. Uh, actually, just today, uh, Wednesday, October 10th, is if you are part of the any of the, I guess you would call them the PodHub UK groups on Google Plus, uh, Ted Salmon has been testing out the MeWe, I think it's MeWe, social network, which actually I thought I would bring it up here as well because I did go and jump in the test groups on there to, to test out that social network. And I thought I would mention it on here as well because of the fact that this MeWe social network is all about uh, confidentiality and data privacy. Uh, it's a basically a full-featured, well, you know, as pretty full-featured social network. But you own your content is their biggest thing. You control it here. I'm just reading off of their about page, which I'll link in the in the description, uh, the show notes as well. So basically, they're kind of the anti Facebook, they don't, you know, they don't collect, they don't collect data to push ads at you or anything. It's ad free. And uh, so far in the test groups for uh, all the PodHub UK groups that have kind of that are kind of testing out the the groups options over on MeWe. <laughs> I really hope I'm saying that right. MeWay. Let's call it MeWay just because that sounds better. But yeah, so far it's been actually pretty good. Um, 
you know, there's a few quirks here and there as far as the web technologies of it. There is an Android and an iOS app that work fairly well. I haven't gone too much into depth with those. But all of this also, again, like I was saying, I brought this up because it kind of goes in line with all of that moving stuff away from from Google idea. And of course, the big news was that Google Plus is going to eventually be shut down uh, to the free Google Plus for can you know for consumers the the enterprise or corporate or business whatever is still going to be available, but basically the general public won't be able to access Google Plus. Uh, I think it's at about ten months time is the the thing the big thing. So Ted Salmon had set up all these groups to kind of test this platform out because why not? You know, it's why why wait to start looking and testing? You know, we don't know if this is going to work exactly if everybody doesn't know if it's going to work and it so far i've been you know impressed that they're clearly still pretty new out there i mean like i said the the web experience is the design is really great but there's some basic you know like functionality that i can kind of tell isn't within the javascript compatibility cross browser where you can't you know some things are just a little little buggy uh, I was trying to upload a profile photo in Firefox which if you're if you're a Firefox you know if you're using me 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 way uh, then you're probably you know also there's a there's a good chance that you're using Firefox I would say if you're trying to get away from tracking and, and stuff like that you might use Firefox so I was trying to upload my profile photo in Firefox via me way and I or MIUI via Firefox and it didn't upload and it kind of crashed out my connection in Firefox. So I couldn't connect to any other websites. I had to close and restart Firefox just to get it back up and running. But uh, it's, you know, it's a pretty cool social network for, you know, if you are looking to kind of break away. Obviously, nope, you know, if your friends aren't on there, it's kind of difficult. But if there's groups on there like that you're part of, uh, definitely check it out. I, I think it <laughs> it's crazy enough. I think, you know, they may have hit they may have hit the nail on the head with this first first uh, test uh, as far as the all the Podhub UK communities go. The I think this I don't see many other solutions out there that would be much better than this. So hopefully it'll continue to work. Obviously, there's a big testing period coming for that, but I'm looking forward to, to using it some more uh just because it is it's a you know overall it's been a positive experience so i just thought i'd mention it because of the privacy thing and you know if you really want to get away from other third-party services this is another option for that so check out the link in the show notes to read more about what it is and if you haven't if you're part of one of those groups on podhub uk definitely go and, and test it out help you you know flush out anything that's good and or bad on there and help Ted out and so they know if this is kind of a solution that they want to go with in the future. Okay, so I have a couple links that I want to share here today. <laughs> uh, the first one is actually a website to a NASA build-it-yourself rover. So it's not a website where you go and you build a rover necessarily like a virtual rover it actually is a website for a project that where you build a, a rover in real life so this is kind of just a, a landing page for that project and the project itself is actually uh, is actually on github and you can go and, and view all the instructions and stuff so essentially it's to for how to build an actual rover of your own in real life <laughs> so for i think it said under twenty five hundred dollars so if you have twenty five hundred dollars and some technical experience check out the github page and and read through the readme part of it which is the the main part of the github page and and it basically goes over all the materials and everything to kind of create this your own rover like a mars rover that you can build in real life and 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 it looks pretty pretty interesting. Uh, and so <laughs> to me, I, I don't think I'm going to do that. Uh, at the bottom of the GitHub page too, the if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the, the readme file, 
there is a couple of other projects on there that are, I guess, to build a, a, a rover, a land, a, a rover that are cheaper and a little bit easier to do. So you can check those out too. But back to the initial website that they bring you to, it's the, it's uh, a NASA website for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory at the California Institute of Technology. And so <laughs> what I had fun doing was on this web page, there's actually kind of, there's like a 3D rover on a looks like a, like a Mars landscape that you can drive around with uh, with your keyboard and or mouse, I think it looks like. But uh, I had a little bit of fun driving the rover around over rocks and stuff like that it's kind of silly but it's cool that you can do this kind of stuff on the web these days without any sort of flash plug-in you know it's kind of a an example of of what you can do with web technologies these days without needing any crazy extensions or plugins like flash uh it's pretty it's pretty cool it's fun to to drive over the little rocks with the the uh, 3D rover, Mars rover thing. So yeah, check that out on the link. I just thought I'd share because it it's kind of fun. And if you are so willing or and and uh, crazy enough, I guess you could say to actually build the one in real life, that would that's. I mean, this is a great place to to start and to do it. Uh, especially in the GitHub page that, it, that lays out all the materials and and process for building it. And if you are into that sort of thing and have the cash then it's it's a uh, you can't get much better than that i imagine so check that out in the show notes okay so i just had one other link that i wanted to share this week it is to a website called the web design museum and now i know that there is the internet archive or the Wayback Machine that you can go and check out old websites, but you got to put in URLs and stuff like that. So essentially, this is like a curation of old of web design from 1995 to about 2005. And so these are just they just collect together images and that of these of web pages and their and their design. But I think it's kind of fun to go through and and view the gallery and kind of watch how the web has evolved over the years as far as web design and as far as visually how web pages have evolved. So I you, like I said, it goes it goes back to 1995. Uh, one of the first or one of the first in their archive there for 1995 is the CNN website, which I thought was kind of interesting. And like I said, it's just an image of it. So I'm guessing if you go to the Internet Archive or the Wayback Machine, you can probably find this. But they post an image of the CNN.com website from August 30th of 1995. Uh, basically, the very their very first page, the, the lead story being CNN.com launches. So and it says access the news via computer 24 hours a day, uh, which is, you know, back then wasn't always an option but either way uh, and it's kind of funny because there's other news stories on this web page <laughs> that kind of made me chuckle uh, although I was you know a youngin when the, when this website came out but I remember you know most of most of these headlines and stuff but the funniest one I think is the headline is the hazards of driving and dialing which is kind of funny uh, because of the <laughs> things don't change. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So they're talking about the hazards of driving and dialing your cell phone. Now it's texting, you know, the hazards of driving and texting. Yeah. So anyway, it just, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to go through those websites and take a look back through time a little bit and and see where, you know, how the web has come to where it is today uh well not even really today it stops i think at 2005 but either way uh just an interesting little link and fun to go through and and reminisce and and get a little nostalgic about the web of old as far as web design goes and and where it's come from but yeah check out the link in the show notes for that uh just thought i'd share it because i thought it was interesting and you know falls right into the design and technology uh, of my of my Venn diagram. So it's right in the middle there. Anyway, <laughs> check that out. Okay, so I do kind of have a main section of the show here. And the reason I'm doing this part is because on Twitter, after I posted the last episode, Steve Litchfield had reached out via Twitter or responded to the, the show 
tweet <laughs> with uh, he asked if I had completed my phone rundown, basically my phone history list. And so I usually I have been keeping uh, I've, I've gone over the first 20 so far and there's 34 total on the list. So I've gone over 10 and then also went over our one through 10. I went over in episode 21 and then in episode 30, I went over 11 through 20 as far as the my phone history and what's on my list. So he had asked about it if I if he, you know, he had accidentally missed an episode where I finished it off or went over more of it. And I did not. I have not. So I thought, you know, why not just round out the entire list? So I've got 14 left on here. So please bear with me <laughs> uh, if you did not enjoy listening to me talk about my other devices in the past. Uh, you can fast forward to, you know, a few minutes before the end to hear the closing of the episode here. But anyway, so I'm just going to uh, if I, if you want again, if you want a recap of these devices that I've gone over so far, one through 20 uh, after I'm. After I'm done with this episode, I'm going to put together a page on my website with all of the devices on it. And so you can go through and and see all, you know, my entire phone history or whatever. And I'll just put that out there for the world to see. So anyway, let's go back into it. So I'm not going to go over the first 20. If you want to see those, head to pixelswim.com and probably slash phone history. Hopefully that's where it will be. Either way, uh, also you can go into the show notes of this episode and I'll put a link to the phone history page. And I'm going to try and link all of those to their spec pages for each device. So uh, let's dive in to number 21. So number 21, the, the 21st device on my list <laughs> is the Nokia Lumia 920. So this is a device. This is I bought this one long after it was out, uh, probably a couple years after it was out, because I want, you know, I hadn't tried out one of these uh, iconic Lumia devices uh, by iconic. Usually I refer to the 1020 and the 920 as the kind of the pinnacle of the, the Lumia run. So I decided to get a a 920 because I wanted to get a 1020 at the time and it just it wasn't in the budget and the 920 was about a hundred dollars cheaper um, the reason obviously the reason the 1020 is more expensive is because of the the camera tech on the 1020 It's a huge camera module with you know that that 40 megapixel camera on it so uh, the 920 was going to have to be my next best, my next best thing. So I went and got the Lumia 920. I didn't went and went on eBay and got a Lumia 920 for I think it was about 70 bucks and was able to it was a white one and it had just a tiny little nick on the corner. But other than that, it was in perfect condition and I just carried around. You know, I, I think I only used it outside the house like one time. Uh the camera on it was pretty good, though. Uh, it's definitely, you know, you could you could tell the age at that at that time, as far as the quality of the camera. But overall, it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good, you know. Um, but I didn't hang on to it for very long because I just at that t point in time I couldn't justify having a bunch of devices around. So, uh, and the other the funny thing about the 920 is as I sold that white one, and then I actually bought a yellow one which i think was actually recently and just to have that on hand again just because i wanted a classic lumia windows phone 8.1 device to have in my archive that i that one the yellow one that i got recently was specifically just to to put in my archive and that one was cheap too that was about the same about 70 dollars, i think and yeah still i will probably hang on to that one forever so that was number 21 the nokia lumia 920 so number 22 was the moto x pure edition aka the style in europe which and this had uh, stereo speakers and yeah i remember the moto x pure edition really i got that because i had the moto g third gen and i thought this is in the same kind of generation as the moto g third gen so 
it's it's like the flagship of Motorola's line at the time. So I thought I love this Moto G third gen. So I'm going to try out the Moto X Pure Edition. And the one thing about that was the battery on it was not very good, but the camera was actually pretty good. And I remember liking the device actually quite a bit. And uh, I used it as my daily driver for a little while. And I don't know what happened exactly. I think the battery life really just kind of got to me, you know, and the size of it was a little bigger than I was used to at the time. But I can't remember why I decided to sell it. But uh, yeah, that was number 22. It was great, great device. I didn't I, I kind of regret getting rid of it because I, I think I would enjoy using it still now these days. And like I said, the camera on it was actually pretty decent for a Motorola device anyway. But let's move on to number 23 on the list, which is the Sony Xperia Z3 or Z3, if you're <laughs> for my UK listeners or European people. Uh, so, yeah, the Sony Xperia Z3. I'll just keep calling it Z because I like that better. But uh, it was uh, you know, it was a very disappointing device. Uh, first of all, I got it without a case. Uh, the case didn't come for a little while. and so that was kind of, you know, kind of dampened their or just made the the initial experience with it not very fun because uh, it was kind of a fragile phone or slippery anyway. But, it you know, overall, I didn't mind Sony's software on there. It was my first Xperia device, which was intriguing to me, you know, and the, the one the reason I got rid of it. I, I know for sure is because of the the camera. And and this is something I think that a lot of people talk about when it comes to the Sony Xperia devices, uh, smartphones, all of those things is that they <laughs> Sony makes like all of the camera sensors for like most of the smartphones in the world, even the best ones, you know, like the I think for the Pixel. I don't know for sure. Either way, they make really great camera sensors for smartphones, but when it comes to their own devices, they just don't know how to use them <laughs> software wise, I feel like, because I got rid of that uh, Xperia Z3 because it just, yeah, the camera was terrible on it. Uh, I, I specifically remember trying to take pictures somewhere and just being like, well, that one's terrible. That one's terrible. These are these are all terrible, you know, and it just. And yeah, it didn't last very long in my hands. So I, I decided to uh, sell that one on. And next, I actually got a I think. Yeah, I, I, I decided to finally look into getting a Microsoft Lumia 950. So number 24 on my list is the Lumia 950, which is these days, I guess, a classic Lumia device. Probably if you read uh, all about windowsphone.com or AAWP, you know that the camera on that device is it's very high feature point, <laughs> which is a weird way to put that. But it's definitely a selling point on that phone. It is a great. So I went from the Xperia Z Z3 to the Lumia 950. So a world of difference as far as those go. And I remember around the same time I had the. I actually bought uh, number 25 on my list. So I had 24 and 25 at the same time. I bought an LG G5 uh, the first time that I bought it. It was right around the time I got the 950. So yeah, the cameras on those were kind of the big reasons why. Uh, the LG G5 had the wide angle camera on it. And I think it was running Android 7.1. So yeah, if you... <laughs> For some reason, you don't know the Lumia 950 runs Windows 10 mobile, uh, which I am a fan of. Uh, just unfortunately isn't supported. And you could say that about any of the the Windows phone devices that I mentioned. So anyway, I remember remember having a, a work event that I brought both of those devices to. Uh, and it was kind of <laughs> it's funny because it was kind of a a I had these two phones for the cameras and it was kind of a showdown. It was like there was a work event. Uh, you know, at the time, we didn't really need a crazy DSLR like we eventually bought. But uh, it was a showdown for me between the 950 and the LG G5. Um, the, obviously, the G5 had a wide angle camera on the back, which was a huge uh, advantage. But 
as far as getting stuff, you know, stuff in cramped spaces and more in the scene and context and all that stuff. But yeah, I kind of had a shoot off between the 950 and the LG G5 and yeah, the 950 took it <laughs> very easily. The the quality on the 950, and I, I you know, for me, this is all my opinion. Uh, for me, it's the as far as inspecting the files and and the quality of them, it's the closest thing that I've seen to a DSLR as far as kind of the processing and image quality goes. And you know, maybe maybe the overall image for some people isn't good enough or as good as some of the you know flagships. That are out now, but uh, I, I still do think that the 950 takes a really great, great photo. Uh, I, I still have it, and I'm I'm not going to get rid of it. <laughs> That's another, another device that I'm always going to to kind of keep in the archive. So, uh, so I kept the 950. I sold off my LG G5, but I didn't. I think I didn't have an Android phone at that point, and I kind of always wanted to make sure I had an Android phone on hand. So that brought me to number 26 on my list, which is the Moto G5 Plus. And I had that <laughs> that phone for a, a hot second. Uh, actually, what happened there was I ordered one off of eBay. It was a, you know, a slightly used in mint condition uh, Moto G5 Plus. And I, when I got the device in, everything on it looked great. I got it all set up. You know, I, st- I didn't have my SIM card in it yet because I was just getting it all set up. And so the last thing I did was I put my SIM card in and it didn't read it. <laughs> and it ended up that the the one I got off of eBay was broken as far as the, the SIM card went. Uh, the, the SIM tray, all the pins I could see inside. I eventually looked inside and, and could see that the SIM pins were, uh, most of them were missing. <laughs> so I was able to return that one on eBay and get my money back. But I, and I did right after that, get, uh, one from Best Buy here in the U S uh, a brand new one just to, you know, cause I wanted to actually try it. And so I tried it out and it just, you know, it just didn't really work. I think really what it was, was the, the earpiece for the phone for phone calls was just too quiet. You know, it was just it wasn't very loud and and I take phone calls and I need to do phone calls quite a bit. So I ended up returning that one to Best Buy. So but right after that, I went to a Moto G4 Play. So I went from like a mid range to a low phone. Uh, Number 27 is the Moto G4 Play. So this was the in the Moto G4 generation. And it was the the cheap version. Uh, but I thought it was, you know, halfway. It was very much like the Moto G third generation. It had a lot of the same specs. Honestly, the camera wasn't as good, but the it did have a removable battery. And also it could accept a larger SIM or larger SD card. Uh, I, th- I don't know what it was up to 128 gig or something like that. But at the time, my Moto G third gen, which I think I still had, but uh, either way, the Moto G third gen only took a 32 gigabyte card uh, officially. And so the Moto G four play had kind of, you know, upped the a few of the specs of the Moto G third gen. Uh, It just it wasn't a very good (laughs) device. Uh, I think the reception and call and call quality on it wasn't that great. I remember being somewhere and uh, my service dropping out and my wife had her Moto G third gen at the time and, and she still had, you know, service. So it's one of those that ah, it's not going to work, you know, so I've been I think I sold that one on Swappa. But oh, and I uh, as far as the Lumi 950, which I mentioned at number 24, I think a big reason that I got that one, too, was that I got it for about one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> at the time uh, off of Swappa. It was an AT&T unlock version or it is an AT&T unlocked version. I still have it. And yeah, so I got a great deal on that. I think that's a big reason why I pulled the trigger on the the Lumia 950 at the time. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. But anyway, 27 was the Moto G4 Play. So number 28 is the Alcatel Idol 4S with Windows 10. Uh, So the one that I have now is not the original one that I bought. So I originally bought the Idol 4S the T-Mobile version here in the U.S. Uh, and it was it was an unlocked version. But the issue with it was that it I obviously I didn't hang on to it. So the issue with it was that it did not accept 
custom APN settings outside of T-Mobile's APN settings. So stuff like um, MMS and uh, basically MMS and some data would not work with my Mint SIM or Mint Mobile SIM card because you have to put in custom APN settings. So it took me a lot of figuring out to find out that it was a software issue, an Alcatel uh, T-Mobile specific software issue, because I did try and actually bring it to a, I brought it to an AT&T store to try and get an active AT&T SIM into it to make sure that it was actually unlocked. And it was, so it just didn't, you couldn't, like I said, you couldn't change the APN settings. So you could, but it didn't accept them and didn't use them. It didn't work. So I couldn't receive, send or receive multimedia messages, which is uh, a necessity for me. But in anyway, I sold, I was able to actually return that one. And then I actually got it again. I actually bought it again. So what happened is <laughs> here in the US, and if you don't know, the there was a, a big big time like clear out sale for the Alcatel Idol 4S uh, on Microsoft.com. And so essentially they for a long while they were selling it with the the VR head headset so you could you know use the VR features on it. And you know it was just always a little bit too much that more than I wanted to pay for what it was. But then eventually they kind of put the they just put the 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 phone by itself on sale for $99 on Microsoft's website, which was just a, <laughs> and it was the unlocked version. So the software on it was not the T-Mobile software. And so I was, I just, it was one of those, I cannot, <laughs> I just, I cannot pass this up because the specs on the Idol 4S are crazy good for, for $99 brand new. Uh, yeah, it's a glass back and front or obviously front, but the, you know, it's, it's, it was, it's just a really great deal. <laughs> that was a great deal. It was a steal, really. It was, you know, if you compare it to the Idol 4 Pro over in Europe, which I don't think has ever gotten down that low. And now obviously there's different, you know, LTE bands and different, you know, bands on the, on the device that are different from the European ones, but I, I couldn't pass on it over here in the US. So, I got that in and I still have it and I I actually used it. I have used it quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's probably had the best reception of any device that I've ever had. Honestly, it holds holds signal and and data and everything way better than any other device I've had. So I will put my SIM card in there everyone, you know, every once in a while or if I'm between Android devices, it's been going into the Idol 4S. The one thing about it is the camera isn't that great on it. Uh, it gets the job done. But if you take a photo, if you try and take an HDR photo, uh, you might as well just turn the phone off <laughs> and, and and start it again because it just it doesn't. It just won't. The mine at least won't take a an HDR photo in any sort of timely manner. So you push the button with HDR mode on and it just sits there. You know, it doesn't it doesn't show that it's trying to do anything, unfortunately. And the unfortunate thing, too, is I don't see them pushing out any updates to the camera to fix it. But if you're just taking regular snapshots, you're not too worried about getting, you know, I don't know if you're not too worried about HDR or having to have HDR then it's actually a decent device. So, and it was a steal of a deal. So anyway, so I had that one. I still have that one, uh, the unlocked one from Microsoft.com. But let's move on to, because that was number 28, Alcatel Idol 4S. So number 29 was the Motorola E4, Moto E4 and the Moto E4 Plus. I got these at the exact same time. So the deal here was, and I think I think I've talked about these in the past, <laughs> so it's not going to take much longer to round out this list because I've talked most a lot about a lot of these devices because I got them while I uh, after I started the podcast. So uh, I got the Moto E4 and the Moto E4 Plus at the same time, both Verizon versions, and so there was a deal on the Verizon prepaid versions of those. They were cheap. The Moto E4 Plus was. $99 and the Moto E4 was 40 or $39 or something like that. Either way, really cheap. 
and then they were there was unlock codes that I got on eBay to unlock those devices and use the Moto E4 E4 Plus version for quite a bit. And then I, I've talked about it in the past on the show, so I won't go too much over it. But I was having issues with connectivity on it and the the data dropping and stuff like that. But and then I eventually did get the unlocked version of it. And I didn't hang on to that. And then I got another unlocked version. And it just it was the Moto E4 Plus is a device that I wanted to work so badly because it had a giant 5000 milliamp hour battery. And I just wanted it to to work because it would be great. It was great on battery life and just never died. And I was just hopeful that it would work. But it just, you know, it never really worked with my service, I think, really, is what it was uh, unlocked or Verizon version. So. Yeah, just, you know, it's one of those, I got to move on, you know, got to move on, find something a little bit better or something, you know, something else. Got to move on to something else, which I did on my device 31, which I and I've talked about this one quite a bit, too, is the LG Q6. Uh, It's one that I got for my wife and for myself and I love the LG Q6. So uh, check out some earlier episodes. If you use the search on my website and search LG Q6, you'll find the, the episodes where I talk about it and every all my experiences with it and then number 32 on my list is the lumia 1020 and this one i i finally got a lumia 1020 uh care of steve litchfield uh had helped out with website work and and you know in the in our world the phone as payment is you know worth about twofold so and and in this case, really tenfold because he he sent over an old uh, Lumia 1020 and it works great. And I turn it on probably at least once a week and just to have hands on with it and to, you know, try out the camera because it's really, really good. So still more to come with that, but very cool to have that one in the archive, too. And and that I really appreciate Steve sending that over because it's. I mean, that's the you think of Lumia, that's that's the one that's the the big kahuna. <laughs> anyway, so I think I had gotten rid of my Q6 and then got to number 33 on my phone history, which I again, I've talked about this one quite a bit on the podcast. I think I did a review of it was the Motorola Moto X4. So this is a Motorola device with the wide angle camera on it and lots of other features. Again, if you want to search through the show history, you can find out my more of my thoughts on the Moto X4. But overall, uh, eventually it just came down to the the camera was really slow and clunky on the Moto X4. And it just uh, it kind of disappointed in the way <laughs> in a way that uh, was kind of unforgivable because I was trying to take photos with a flash I needed the flash and it did not save the photos. And they were, you know, photos that I wanted. So not cool. Moto X4. But hopefully they fix that in the software update. But either way, I've, I've sold that one on. And all of that is to bring me to today. Uh, and I've talked about this one in the past few episodes and even this episode. So the LG G6 is number 34 on my phone history list, which brings us all the way up to date. That's my daily driver. So then you I've I've expressed my love so far for the LG G6. So I won't go too much further into that. But yeah, so I, that's my entire phone history. Like I said, I'm going to try and post a page or I will post a page before this podcast goes out. Uh, with my entire phone list on it and links of all the devices to their their specs page. So just a recap of what I have on hand. I went over all the phones. Now just these are the ones that I still have. And uh, I, my daily driver is the LG G6. I have the Idle 4S, Alcatel Idle 4S, the Microsoft Lumia 950, the Lumia 920, the Lumia 1020, and I still have my beloved Moto G third generation. So those are all the devices I have on hand. And I got a uh, <laughs> a dorky little bamboo stand for them. And they just sit up on my desk so I can pull them out whenever at my at my leisure. So yeah, uh, thanks, Steve, for reaching out and, and asking about that because it, you know, it's nice to, to round out the entire list. So from here on out, you'll hear about every phone <laughs> in real time that gets added to this list. And I'll add them to that phone history page as well. And yeah, so I, I overall, I've had 10 Windows phone devices. 
which that's a note that I have on my page here. I just wanted to mention that to you, but uh, pretty cool, huh? 10 Windows Phone devices. Have you had more? Let me know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that that's my entire phone history, one through 34, 34 devices. So it sometimes it, you know, they come in waves. Uh, sometimes like right now, they, you know, things kind of come a little bit slower. But yeah, so that rounds it out. And I will also, uh, you know what, on that phone history page too, I'm going to put links to the three episodes where I went over this, the phone history up to number 34. So yeah, uh, take a look in the show notes. There'll be a link to that page so you can check out the entire list or the, the list in its entirety. And yeah, uh, thanks for, <laughs> for bearing with me and getting through the, the whole list. Uh, it was a little easier at the end, like I said, because I've talked a lot about those devices on the podcast here itself. So um, yeah, thanks for for bearing with me. <laughs> I don't know how many more times I'm going to say it, but uh, I don't know if people like it. Uh, I think Steve may have liked it. So uh, this, even if everybody's tuned out except for Steve, then there you go, Steve. Anyway, uh, check out the show notes. All right, so we're just going to wrap everything up here for today on episode 38. Thanks for tuning in as usual. Pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links, etc. And you know what? I'm going to try and add. I should probably add my MeWe, MeWay <laughs> profile page if you want to connect on there. If you were one of the people that's jumping over there for the phone or the Pod Hub UK communities stuff i i am on over there on those groups over there i tried to join all everything that i could over there so i'll you know i'll put a link to that my profile on there too if you want to connect on there <laughs> outside of the the communities on there but who knows maybe i'll do a pixel swim community someday uh, i'm not sure how that would work exactly i think the show notes page with the comments is probably overkill for what I need for as far as feedback goes, but email and, and, and the show notes page with comments has been working well and Twitter and all that stuff, but who knows, uh, maybe I'll condense it all into one page where people can post things, but you know, this isn't quite the same as say the phone show chat community. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, <laughs> but I, you know, I listen to and read all the feedback listen to nobody has given me any, vocal feedback yet <laughs> but anyway uh thanks for tuning into this episode uh tune in again next week when i'll be talking about i have no idea yet so anyway tune in uh next week for 30 episode 39 almost a 40 already again pixelswim.com for everything else and i uh, appreciate you tuning in have a great afternoon or morning or evening or nap on the couch or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed. <laughs>